Hi, everyone, and welcome to Be True, my podcast about the writing I love and the writing I do. Hey, I promise I won't rhyme the whole time. <laughs> so stupid. I'm John Tessitore, and today, The Narrow Gate, from my little book, All the Lonely American Roads, and republished later with its original title in a book called Sometimes I Still Pray. You can find both books and all my work at johntessitore.com. All the Lonely American Roads is a long poem about myths and symbols and faith. The myth of America, the symbols of American culture and creativity, and the faith, maybe the lost faith, in its promise. It's the first time in my poetry that I deliberately and self-consciously drew on my training as a cultural historian, and it was about time. I was a scholar of American studies on an academic track until 2008, and boy, have we as a country fallen since then. I needed to wrestle a bit with the changes, and I thought of my little book as a portrait of a man and a culture starting over, or trying to. But like I said, cultural historian, I'm trained to look back before I look forward, and that's what happened with all the lonely American roads. I started writing about my own past as part of the nation's past, thinking about where my history fit in the larger story. That's why the second section of the book focuses on family, the hopes, ambitions, obsessions of my family, insofar as I knew what those were or could imagine them. My family as a national test case. And that's when my father started creeping in again. Joe Tess. Joe T. <laughs> he died in 2019 and left a huge hole in my life. As my mom says, he was my father, my best friend, my brother, my principal advisor, my main antagonist, and sometimes, in a weird way, maybe even my son. He could make me wet my pants with laughter even as a fully grown adult. I'm not kidding about this. He was the only person who could do that to me, and he did it with some regularity. Sometimes just a look was enough. But he could also turn me into a Tasmanian devil of profanity and tantrum, sometimes in the space of a single minute. Our shouting matches were epic and loud and rather shocking, and just as quickly over. They had to end quickly. If they lasted more than three or four minutes, we'd both end up in tears. <laughs> Joe T. and I were an emotional pair, and preferred to laugh anyway. He creeps into everything I write, everything I do actually, so I'll leave the backstory right there, lest I ruin future podcasts. <laughs> I can't burn all my material at once. I'll just read the poem. The Narrow Gate Another morning south of Flatbush Rolling past the salt marsh Sorrel horses guarding the basin Strolling Hasidim Sunbathers stretched along the walls at Gravesend Competing to stop traffic Some succeeding And you Driving like an unsprung spring Seething, knowing the ending before it begins Nothing ever resolves by evening While I study scenery Dream of the British heaving away, the Lenape leaving the shore. There will always be new trouble to ignore until we arrive, bodies catatonic, hearts frozen in grief, eyes wide with awe, old men itching to fight with fists like claws, cursing, doing their best to chase me from sight. But nothing can distract me now from the wonder wheel, the parachute, the bridge arches, rising like stele, and around the next bend, Our Lady. Another morning for you and me together, steering 
our separate stories. Let's start with the setting because this poem is almost all setting. It's a poem about the Belt Parkway. For those of you unfamiliar with the geography, that's the east-west artery along the south shore of Long Island, running from the suburbs where I grew up, through Queens, and into Brooklyn. The other option for the east-west journey is the Long Island Expressway, but that's a North Shore road, and I'm a South Shore kid. A South Shore kid whose family on both sides still lived in the boroughs, which means half of my childhood was spent on the fucking Belt Parkway. And as I've said before on this podcast, my parents were caretakers for the extended family on both sides, my mother's and my father's sides. And every weekend we drove along the Belt Parkway, my parents, my sisters and me, to either Brooklyn or Queens to see one side of the family or the other and occasionally both. Every weekend. And when there was trouble of some kind, and there is often trouble in a big family, we'd make night and weekday trips too. And often Joe T would say to me, Let's go, or something like that. Not a question, just a statement. And we'd get in the car. As his companion, in difficult times, as a distraction for whomever we were visiting, I'd sit in the front seat, and we'd head off. John's here. What can I get you to drink? Did you eat something? Have a Tootsie Roll. While we sat in traffic, which is the permanent condition of the Belt Parkway, Joe T. and I would talk about everything. In fact... We had the talk on the Belt Parkway. Hey, Tess, my dad said, do you know how babies are made? (laughs) I also learned about business issues and people in trouble and which family member was an asshole and who might die. All of it. And while we talked, we passed through exotic locations. There was a horse stable in the middle of a swamp as you approached the city, which seems so weird because I never saw horses in the suburbs. And on weekends, there were sunbathers along the wall between the highway and the bay, and a pretty girl might cause a traffic jam. Or there were people you didn't see back home wearing unusual clothing, praying, or people barbecuing, or people fighting, or submarine watching, as my friend's father once told me, which I figured out from context clues meant doing it in the back seat. And Coney Island in the distance, and the Verrazano Bridge, which is the gate over the body of water known as the Narrows, separating Brooklyn from that distant planet known as Staten Island, the Narrow Gate, and the Statue of Liberty just around the next turn. And all are mentioned in this poem. No matter how many times I passed through, I was fascinated by it all. I took it all in every time. This is why my grandmother used to tell me that I was a dreamer, easily distracted. Still am. You know who wasn't fascinated by it? Joe T. It was old news to him. A Brooklyn kid who'd made this trip so many times he could do it in his sleep and probably had once or twice. He had other things on his mind anyway. And for me, that's the point of the poem. It's something I realized as I got older and that crystallized for me after he died, no matter how close we were. And I'm not sure a father and son could be closer without things getting very weird. I didn't know everything. I didn't know what he was thinking at every moment the way I thought I did. Not really. In hindsight, he must have thinking about the trouble we were about to face, a health scare, a financial issue, whatever. Of course he was. He must have been tired of all the bother and wished they'd all leave him alone. Of course he did. And he must have been driven by ghosts of his own that I only understood over time. That's the part I wish I'd known earlier. Because I sense torment without really understanding it. 
Jyoti could be explosive, especially when it was just the two of us. And I'm not kidding about this. I knew who were the assholes, why they were the assholes, and what asshole things they may do in the future from a very young age. And then I'd have to say, hi, so-and-so, while I'm thinking to myself, you're the asshole. (laughs) But no matter what he was really thinking, my father never took a day off. He always answered the call. Always. And so many times I tagged along. And together, we steered our separate stories. So why this poem in a book about the myth of America? Because it literally drives us through American history, including an image of first contact and of the revolution, in order to bring us to the core, the inescapable center of things, responsibility, community, and asshole family. It's a reminder that on some level, there is no America. Not really. There's just people trying to live out whatever time they have, some of whom live in a made-up place with made-up borders called America. But just some. And even they're not thinking about America when you ask them. They're thinking about assholes. Joe T. would have liked this poem. He'd have told me that poetry was bullshit and would have said, that's the sound he would have made. But he would have liked it. Because he didn't trust myths or politics or institutions or even most people. He only trusted commitment, work, love as effort. He was a bulldog. I got that from him. And maybe that's what we've forgotten as a culture. Love as effort. And so, in the hope that there's a little Joe T in you, there's probably too much of him in me, This is John Tessitore concluding another installment of Be True. If you've listened this long, thank you. You can find more about my work, including all the lonely American roads at johntessitore.com. But first, go play the temptations. Ain't too proud to beg. Joe T. loved the temps. Special thanks to me for today's theme music, which I call E-Chord. Maybe we'll talk again. And if you enjoy this little podcast, leave some stars or a review and tell your friends. In the meantime, I got to feed the dog. All right, Luna, I'm coming.